Hey, you, Prime members, you can listen to Three Little Words ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. This podcast is brought to you by Quorn, the nation's favourite meat-free brand. Quorn is a great partner for the show because he sent me free Quorn cocktail sausages, which never last long in our fridge. For each podcast, Tony furnishes us with a new fact from our sponsor. Yeah, let me furnish you. Fabulous, you. Let me furnish you with a quack. Not a sentence I thought I'd be hearing myself say today. Quorn is made from a natural nutritious fungus. It's found in soil first discovered in a garden in Buckinghamshire in the 1960s. It seems that there's loads of people these days cutting down on the amount of meat that they eat for reasons that are related to health, the environment, animal welfare. If you're on that journey, you won't go far wrong by popping some corn in your shopping basket every week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm John Bishop and welcome to Three Little Words. It's the podcast where we ask a guest to come prepared with three words that mean something to them. The words might bring back memories, they might explain more about who that person is and their whole life and hopefully it will lead us to a greater understanding of them and their world. And I'm here with my co-host and co-creator of the show, Tony Pitts, who knows the words of the guests in advance because he's... Uh, fascinated with words and uh, and it was i mean we can argue about whose idea this show was but well we can we can if we're going to disregard facts yeah we could we could then make we, it we just could. a matter of opinion yeah. i mean somebody had an idea in our kitchen in my well i, I would say because the idea something. began in my kitchen yeah it's yeah. got to yeah. i've got to have the bigger yeah. percentage yeah yeah, yeah. even Right, I don't think that's a fruitful discussion. <laughs> I think I think we're here as friends, John. We're here for the chemistry and the love between us, and it's inconsequential. Who's Very good. It that's a good word. Our guest today is a really interesting guest who I've met before. Tony's never met. He's Professor Mike Barnes, who's a trained neurologist, but is also leading the campaign for the medical use of cannabis. That's one of the things that would most people would know you by Mike and yeah. I just wanted to bring it onto the show be- because first of all anybody who is a neurologist I think is interesting because none of us have a clue what's going on in our heads most of the time neither do neurologists <laughs> no, no, <laughs> well thanks for that uh, it's so, a short program yeah. yeah so anyway Mike welcome to the show thank you thanks for asking me no it's an interesting concept I've had a lot of thought between about the three words, yes, uh, and what, which sort of aspect? So yeah, it's been it's been fun getting it ready. Did you find it difficult, Mike, to settle on one word? Did you vacillate between one word and another, or did they present? Well, one word was was an obvious one. Yes, yes. Uh, the other two, I thought, well, you don't want to know what I went on my holidays or things like that. But um, oh, I've got holidays was, down here. Yeah, well, oh, one of, yeah, one of them is sort yeah. of, but it well, also brings in other environmental things yes, and uh, yes running and things like that that i'd love yeah. doing so oh, hard yeah. to distill well, you sorry john i was gonna say we're, we're teasing everybody yeah c- c- we are I yes know. yes can we have the first word let's have the first word 
First word for me, yeah. well, first word, the obvious one is cannabis. It had, cannabis. I, had, I had to do that, didn't I? So I couldn't get out of Absolutely that. Absolutely did. Yeah. Okay. So, a bit of a mere culpa. I think it uh, seem. I, I thought about this last night. I thought it's, it's been ludicrous not to. So, I should say I've smoked cannabis for 30 years yeah. on a regular basis. And uh, I thought that would be the right thing to put out there. Okay. So, cannabis, quick, very quickly, the etymology of the word. As usual, or often the case, it comes down to us from Latin, initially back to a, a Greek or Thracian word, common hemp is the etymology of yeah. the word. Historically, there are varying, uh, as there always are, and the, uh, as these things inevitably are, it keeps getting pushed back. But at the moment, it seems to me that the consensus is that cannabis was smoked back as at least two and a half thousand years ago. Yeah, at least. Uh, at least, yeah. as I said, that, that's uh, it's, uh, obviously for obvious reasons, all that will do is just get pushed back and back as more and more discoveries are made. Just quickly, I just thought it might be a bit of fun, different words for cannabis. I've got another, at least another 10. Weed, skunk, puff, pot, marijuana, herb, hashish, hash, grass, ganja, dope. One I've never heard, bus, draw, bang, pollen, sensimelia, sensi, resin. UK law, I think that might just come up yeah. uh, in discussion. So there... Is my understanding of the word cannabis, Mike? Yep, that's right. And you're absolutely right. It was probably the first medicine ever described. And it was about two and a half thousand years BC. It was the first one I've got back. Well, that's four and a half thousand years yes, ago. It you is, know, yeah. so, where, yeah. where would that have been? And that Mike? was in China. The Emperor Shen Nung, who was the guy who first described acupuncture, perhaps one of the very earliest doctors. Yes. And his focus at the time was on acupuncture one and cannabis two. And they used it for pain. Uh, they used it in the very early days for epilepsy as well, as far as you can tell from the old scripts. So, you know, the people who say this is a new medicine and we don't know anything about yeah. it, we don't know its safety, we don't know its side effect profile is complete nonsense. Because we've been, we've known about it for millennia. How would they have been using it then? Probably in the early days they were smoking it, burning it on the fires. Yes. and as it also had a sort of spiritual role in some of those early cultures, as well as a recreational role going way back but oh. the early role was was medical and they but they would have group sort of group therapy if you like they they burnt it in a fire sitting around a little table like we've set around here today and they took the the fumes in so so not exclusively yeah. medicinal so recreational no, no. Or, or medicinal then it's a feeling yeah. it was medicinal and then took on recreational and spiritual connotation yeah i think probably well, we don't know for certain but no. probably medicine came first spiritual came second and then you know those around and associated with that's why it isn't bad stuff either so the recreational and was their guess right because they were using it for pain relief we know that to be true i think yep. And, yep and what about epilepsy yeah far as we can tell from those early descriptions it will help people with epilepsy in those early days because they didn't clearly they didn't have the pharmaceutical no. uh, anticonvulsants then and uh, they found quite early on that if you had seizures and you inhaled uh, cannabis it helped the seizures so can i ask where did your relationship with cannabis as a medicinal product because now you're at the forefront of it and we'll come on to all the campaigns that you've been involved in and why but i also got the sense that that it wasn't when you were in your med medical training at university it wasn't yeah. on on your uh, it's not then. it's still not on the on the spectrum no, of but the i mean for you schools. personally me personally been, i well yeah. i was doing um about 20 years ago now, so in the cannabis space, that's a long time, mm. uh, I was doing people with multiple sclerosis, and uh, they were coming in telling me um, quite openly in the NHS MS clinic, I'm using cannabis. It helps, particularly it helps their pain. 
And those people with multiple sclerosis have what's called spasticity, so they have real tight muscle spasms, like you get after stroke or brain injury, yes. and it's helping that as well. So they were telling me that, and out of just pure curiosity, I asked uh, those coming into the clinic, do you ever used it? Are you still using it? And about half of the clinic were actually using it, and they, that admitted to me. Yes. So I thought, yeah, I knew nothing about it, nothing at all for its medical purposes. Uh, so I thought, well, there must be something to this stuff. Otherwise, because then and now it was illegal. People were really severely disabled people were, A, it's difficult to get it mm. for them. Yes. Uh, and they were criminalising themselves to get them. it. Yes. Uh, so if they're not going to do that, unless it's really helping, so there must be something. It's not just s- sort of pseudo recreational. It's it's really going to help them. So that's when I looked into that, and then I was by chance. Then I was asked by a company that produced the first cannabis medicine as a pharmaceutical medicine, a drug called Sativex, by a company called GW Pharma. They asked me to help them with the development of their license. By pure chance, I was involved with it then. Then it was a bit of a hiatus because uh, it wasn't used much. Um, it, it wasn't deemed sort of cost-effective, so that, that particular drug wasn't used very much. And then it comes up to about four four years ago when I was asked by one of the parliamentary groups. They said, will you do a report on all the uses of cannabis? And then just after that, I met uh, Hannah, who was the main camp, obviously the campaigner for her son, Alfie, Alfie Dingley, and they needed a doctor to help them with the licence to the Home Office. So I've been working with Hannah... Now, I heard about oh, this story, I'm not, uh, but yeah. I, don't, I'm not, I don't have the details. Yeah, well, Alfie, um, Alfie's little lad, he was six at the time, and he was having something like three or four hundred seizures a month, sometimes more than that. Did you just say three to four hundred a yeah. month? Yes, yes. And he was in um, a hospital every week. He was in 48 times, I think it was, in, the, in that year before cannabis. They tried every anticonvulsant you can legally prescribe, and Hannah and Drew, uh, his parents, so found out about cannabis because it was known at that point to be helpful for epilepsy from mainly from the states, from California, Colorado. And they went to Holland, where you could legally get it, prescribed it there. And after you know, six, it wasn't instant, but started about six weeks settling in, his seizures began to reduce and reduce and reduce, and uh, eventually stopped. And then, of course, they didn't want to live in Holland, so they wanted to come back to the UK, and where it was, you couldn't bring it back with you in the UK, so it was illegal. So then they decided the campaign. Can I ask, what, what is the, the, the mechanism that's happening for cannabis to work where other medicines haven't? Yeah, well, that's, a, that's a good question. But uh, we're all of us, all vertebrates, every, every animal with a backbone, has what's called an endocannabinoid system. Basically, we produ- all of us produce our own cannabis internally couple of chemicals that aren't quite the same but they're pretty well the same and they're produced called anandamide which is interesting it's uh, sanskrit for bliss and it, we produce this anandamide it locks on to our own cannabis receptors in the brain and if you like the endocannabinoid system is the master controller of all the nervous system somebody said the other day it's like the engine maintenance system in a modern car it's the thing that has an overarching control over every other bodily system so it's weird that it's been known for 20, 25 years and it's still not taught in medical schools. Why is that? Is that a, a <laughs> well, I think it's because move? I think it probably is. I, have to, I, I can't reach any other conclusion that, uh, you know, this is such an important... And it's not just pie in the sky, theoretical. It's, it's real. I mean, there's whole university departments now focused on understanding and unravelling this endocannabinoid system. So why it's not taught with any coherence is beyond me. But... Um, uh, the cannabis, basically, the, the cannabinoids in the plant interact with our own 
cannabinoid system. And that's why, because it has an overarching control of everything we do, uh, that's why it helps anxiety, why it helps pain, why it helps epilepsy, why it helps Crohn's disease, insomnia, uh, appetite. And people say, well, it must be some sort of crazy snake oil because it can't possibly do all those things. But because if you, th- if you don't understand how it works, then you realise that's why it can do all these things, because it controls every bodily function. When you said you were first exposed to it... yeah through ms patients who were buying it themselves yeah. they're buying it through dealers and so on yeah the the thing that i i i've know from my experience of seeing people who use this is not a thing that i'm into at all is the fact that there's no consistency you get you kind of we go to this deal because you like his stuff yeah so when you've got exactly. patients coming in I'm assuming it's not like anything else where you can, they actually know the dose they're taking or they actually yeah, know the source of it. And so what, what you've yeah. got is a lot of anecdotal evidence or anecdotal discussion, but not a uniform like this is the dose that you need to make this thing happen. Yeah, and I think that's the problem doctors have with it. Because it's not like aspirin. You, know, you prescribe two aspirin a day if you like, that's it. You don't have to think. Yeah. And all pharmaceutical products is just that one pharmaceutical molecule. But cannabis is much more subtle than that. It's a very personalized medicine. There's over 2,500 strains plus yes. of cannabis. Each one with the subtle differences of the cannabinoids and the other things that give it its smell, the terpenes, things that give it its uh, um, colour, the flavonoids. But this heavy cannabis that's out now, this skunk that, yeah. that we would refer to, and I give an example of my uh, my father-in-law who's recently passed on, but he was he was a cannabis user all his his adult life, very successful man, did very well. He was you know, but a, yeah. a, a, a product of the sixties. So his view of cannabis was that, and then uh, he confiscated some skunk yeah. off uh, off yeah. off a couple of the kids. And then sm- he said, I couldn't get out of bed for two days. It completely yeah. wiped him. So what I'm trying to say is when we're talking about cannabis, as you say, there's two and a half thousand different variations. Yeah. People listening to this, particularly parents who have kids who are using skunk and have a different level of worry, their perception of what you're talking about for medical use of cannabis is not that, is it? No, is it? It's, it's totally different. I mean, OK, it's the same plant. But on the street, it's been bred to be very high THC. Now, THC yeah. is the stuff that gets you high. And if you go and buy it on the street, that stuff is 20 25% THC. And none of the other main components called CBD, there's around a lot these days, and that counteracts the high. Uh, and the medical stuff is usually with a CBD content and THC, so it doesn't get you high. Okay, for some people with pain, you need very high THC, you can get you a little bit high. But mainly for 90% plus of the medical uses, it's totally different from the street stuff, which has been designed to have all nothing but THC in it. And that's what the street users generally want. They want to get high. And there is the stuff, the skunk stuff, it's sort of uh, loosely called, that is is dangerous for some people. I mean, I'm not saying in any way that cannabis is totally safe. And if and you shouldn't prescribe it for some people, those with schizophrenia, those who have psychotic episodes, those with heart problems, yes. like any medicine, you, it's not safe for everybody. But if you've got a trained cannabis doctor who doesn't prescribe it for those who shouldn't have it and they prescribe in much lower levels of THC, it's t- remarkably it's, it's safe. It's a good glass of red wine as opposed yeah. to a homemade hooch. 
I mean, exactly, all, 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 yeah. all, yeah. all drugs, uh, there's a spectrum of yeah. availability, and we just use blanket terms. It's like if we were having a discussion about alcohol and somebody had got to the point where they were drinking lighter, you know, they'd have a very different idea of what alcohol was. Yeah. So bloke has a couple of pints. But no, but this is my, yeah. my point for raising this, because people listening to this, when you're talking about prescribing cannabis, they think you're talking about rolling a few joints sure. up and, and smoking it. You're, you, as you prescribe it, how does it... Medical cannabis, how is it presented? Is it a capsule? Is it? Is uh, it? It's, ma- it's mainly to about 50-50 is oils, and you drop it under your tongue, hold it under your tongue, and it gets absorbed. Or you can you have to swallow it a little bit. It can come in capsules. They're not widely used. And for the other um, 50% is, is flour to vape, not to roll up and smoke in a joint, but to vape. And that gives you a more immediate pain-killing effect. So for people with pain that have breakthrough pain, as they call it, they have sudden acute pain episodes, um, then vaping it is really the best way to do it. So half of our prescriptions are for flour. But again, it's flour with CBD and THC, so it doesn't get you the high. And the other half of the prescriptions are for oil, which is sort of a background pain-killing effect or anti-anxiety effect or whatever you use it for. So what is... The, the position, the legal position today? It's, it's fairly straightforward. I mean, the law, actually, it was being really liberal, somewhat to my total surprise. A doctor on the specialist register, that means basically a hospital consultant, so not a GP, can't, pres- can't initiate a prescription. So a doctor on the specialist register, as any doctor, neurologist, gynaecologist, Peter, whatever you like, can prescribe it for any condition. Wow. Any condition. Wow. Which is good in some ways bad in others uh, because i think actually a gp will be a really good prescriber because what it tends to do is help the symptoms it doesn't cure diseases it helps insomnia it helps pain it helps anxiety which tend to be gp things yes Mm. so Um, a gp would have to refer yeah stupidly a gp have to refer to a specialist who probably knows less about that particular condition than he does yes or she does uh, and then the gp can actually continue the prescription once it's been initiated by the hospital consultant okay which is equally daft tortured then we've got the big medical bodies who come out and say it's not i have evidence to prescribe this and i had some idiot at the health select committee said what happens if this is the next thalidomide i mean well, wow. that 165 million people use cannabis in this From world four and a half thousand every years ago day for centuries i think we might have known it's by now yet. that it's going to be the next thalidomide or not so wow. you get some idiots in this field who are just got in their well, brains this yes. is unsafe dangerous everyone's going to go psychotic on the streets and not prepared and, to look and at not the, prepared to look at the actual evidence yes so so my if, we, if we're out of position now where it can be prescribed or albeit via a, a senior uh, doctor or consultants at least across anything that you feel that you need it for do you need any more does it need to be legalized anymore is it should we keep the medical cannabis something that you can prescribe and then keep the rest of it as an illegal drug or, or would it be better for everyone's understanding if the whole product was legalized and then yeah i think the pattern across the world has been it's been legalized for medical purposes first it's legal in 50 countries now yeah and when people realize that people aren't going to go bar me on the street corner yeah. Then slowly, two or three years later, has been the general pattern. The, the, the governments think about making it legal recreation. That's that what happened in Canada. It's what in many of the American states, etc. So, yeah, I think it's okay to make it to reassure people that it is medical purposes first. Then they'll perhaps see that actually there's benefits after yeah. that to legalise it from recreational purposes. And I, all we do, if you think about it, all the hype now about cannabis CBD 
where people are thinking, oh, this might be useful for my anxiety or my sleep yeah. or my pain. I'll go and get it from the consultant down the road. And they said, no, they can't get it from them because they're not prescribing the NHS yet. And then they said, well, you can get it privately, which you can, but that's too expensive for many, most people. Yes. So then what are they going to do? They're going to get it on the street. That, yes. So all we're doing with all this hype about it is, is the, the criminal fraternity are really pleased with all yeah. this hype about yeah. cannabis because the government's not and the doctors are not prescribing it, all we're doing is pushing people to the black market. Has anyone done, there must have been some analysis somewhere, of the economic impact if it was legalised? Yeah, well, interestingly, there's not. I would guarantee that if a proper health economic study was done, you could introduce cannabis into the National Health Service at zero net cost. Zero. Oh, cost. I, I'm, talking, I'm talking about the taxability of well, illegal exactly. I mean, Colorado alone, yes. just one state, Huge. it's now more than a billion dollars of sales in cannabis. It exceeds alcohol and tobacco. And the tax revenue of that, by what you know, two, three hundred million dollars of tax revenue. But in if you balance that off with yeah. the, with the fact that you you also remove people being exposed to that criminal element, exactly. Because I'm not I'm not sure you can always have a linear progression from cannabis onto heavier drugs. But certainly, if you are placing yeah. people in an environment where, the, yeah. particularly the young kids, are yeah. come back to of, of criminality. Yeah. where the person that they're buying the cannabis off says, oh, yeah. do you want a little lift for the weekend, take some cocaine, and then next that's thing you know, exactly, you're in another world. That's exactly how it works. The criminality is, yeah. as me, people say cannabis is a gateway drug, well, it's a gateway drug because of the way that it's associated Because with, of the, yeah. the way they associate with. The other yeah. thing that I think might be interesting to look at, because there's a criminality, the other thing is, societally, the damage, if, you, if we were now to say, to have all the knowledge that we have of alcohol and all the knowledge we have of cannabis and we say, right, at midnight tonight, one of these drugs is to be made legal, I doubt that anybody with a, a modicum of common sense would legalise alcohol. The, no, the, the, right. the, 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 the violence, yeah. the damage, the, the streets yeah. that, that, that we walk at the weekends and the yeah. fueled by that. In my experience of cannabis, the worst thing that's going to happen to you if, if you meet me when I have a smoke is I might give you a bit of a cuddle. Yeah, you might fall off the couch. I might fall off the couch that's as bad as it gets. Pushed. That's yeah. as bad as it gets. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're quite right. You, you wouldn't, if any, any constructive look at it now, you wouldn't legalise cigarettes and you wouldn't legalise alcohol. Sure. Now, you, one of the things that's happened with you is you've come out of this in, in this debate is people have, have, have criticised you because they said you've got an interest in a company that's if yeah. it's legalised you will make money from. How much does that hurt you in terms of people questioning your credibility? Yeah, that's been, there was a bit of a campaign in the Mail on Sunday about me, all I was was a Trojan horse for the recreational market mm. and I was going to make millions. Oh, actually, they said I'd already made millions, which I'd love to say is true, but it wasn't. I have no problem about making money from this, and it's if we want a good UK-based cannabis industry, people are going to make money from it. Well, good luck to them. Yeah. You know, if you're going to do it properly, you're going to set several millions of proper farms, all the proper extraction facilities. It's going to cost a lot of money, and people are going to make a profit from it. I haven't a problem with that. It annoyed me because I went into it, and I don't want to be seen as the sort of Mother Teresa, but I went into this because I thought it was a good medicine yeah. and one that should be available to people. And I was actually surprised about the viciousness of some of the attacks against me in the press uh, because of the only way they could attack me was to say, well, he's just doing it to make loads of dosh off the backs of the poor people with epilepsy, you know, and the, yeah. uh, which was, it was... 
We talk upsetting. about legalisation, aren't we? Yeah. Not making it mandatory. That's yeah. other things, you know what I mean? The, yeah. the, the debate seems to be that, what about this? Well, people will, will make their own decisions. Yeah, yeah. And we do need a decent, clean UK cannabis industry so people can know what product they're getting. Uh, they know it's safe yes. and they can just get it openly. So right now, as you sit here, you know, you, you did this all-parliamentary yeah. report with your daughter on drug reform in 2016. Uh, you've been through those high-profile campaigns, Alfie Dingley being one of them, and you've committed your life to this. I mean, it was the first word that you've brought up. I know uh, me, you know, my contact with you was through you as a neurologist. I didn't even know yeah. that this was part of what you did. And this, yeah. all, we, you know, when we met, this all grew in that conversation. As you sit here now and you've committed your career to this, yeah. in many respects, what would you like to see happen in the next five years? And what do you really realistically think will happen? What I want to say is that cannabis as a medicine is available to all who need it free on the National Health Service. Then I'll retire. Will that happen in five years? Yes. I've no doubt of it. The world movement goes this direction. We'd be way out on a limb. It's only going one way. It's only going one way. It's not stoppable now. Whatever big pharma says and the big alcohol people who are against it because they're going to lose their profits, we've won that case. It's going to get, it's going to get there and it's going to get there, I think, within five years. And do you feel that that, for, for the medical use, for everyone who, who needs it, that can happen independent of the legalisation for recreational use, yeah. or do you think they yeah. have to go together for society to accept it? No, I don't think it needs to do that. I think well, what I'd like to see is the medical use go forward. Yeah. And I think, by default, then the recreational use well, yeah. will, will follow. Yeah. We'll be more think, educated. We'll be more educated. And that's, that's what I'm really focusing on, education education and education doctors and the public to get rid of this ridiculous stigma about it this total lack of knowledge about what the difference between the lazy, stuff la it's, lazy it's, thinking. It's, it's lazy thinking and the and the many colleagues in the medical profession are the worst at that yes. of prejudice the gatekeepers right um, they're the gatekeepers and they're just so some of them are so hopelessly prejudiced against mm. it Terrifying. it's unbelievable well just the case that you said before with alfie going from three to four hundred seizures yeah. a month to none. If there's not a reason to carry on doing something, well, yeah. if I can't, that, if, I can't if see a better, not, I, better no. reason. No. So. Well, one of the doctors um, said, well, that's just a placebo effect. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, How can you have a placebo effect on somebody who's already yeah. tried everything? A six-year-old, yeah. uh, going from that number to none... It was his. Uh, it was his mother Hannah who, who was oh, inducing this placebo. Yeah. Can Can I just ask before we move on to your second word? Because yeah. when somebody says something like that, it's a placebo effect. As a neurologist, you'll know how to map the brain. You'll know how to scan the brain. How to see it. How, what is the physical thing that's going on in somebody's brain when you're using medical? When you're using? Oh, in fact, I'll, I'll remove the word cannabis when you're using medical CBD. Because I'm presuming that's the highest elements within the dosage of the medical cannabis. It's more CBD than THC. Uh, yeah, mainly. For pain, it's a bit the other way around, but uh, yeah. Okay. But but what happens in the brain? There's been very little, because the whole research around it was was really hampered. It wasn't stopped, but pretty well stopped. But the fact it was illegal. And you had to get a special home office licence to do any research on it at all until 
till very recently so that our basic fundamental knowledge of what's going on is lagging behind the reality of using it so it is it's a back-to-front medicine because the push for this has been from the parents and yes. the families and yes. the people and that's part of the resistance of the medical profession a lot of arrogant doctors don't like their patients coming in and saying i think you should drive uh, this. and refusing I the know, empiricism uh, that they yeah, exactly. that they their entire yeah. careers are based on, yeah. on empiricism and that's been denied them through ignorance it is through pure ignorance and prejudice it's really interesting isn't it because if you create a compound and then you go through phase one phase three phase three studies where you you know prove its safety and efficacy and so on you know with animal studies you can get something that never existed before and you can try that in patients yet we've got something that's been around that we know as a plant that's in the that, body that, 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 that's, that's in yeah, yeah that yeah. has a relationship to what's already in the body that we've known has been used for thousands of years and you can't clinically study it because it's been listed as illegal that seems bonkers because you can never change the legality unless yeah. you can study it's, it but you can't study it because it's illegal yeah exactly stupid yeah, yeah, yeah. if yeah. i just made something up yeah, that, and said so this is a new entity. You could do whatever it's you want. It's worse than stupid because it's willfully stupid. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. just ignorant; it's willfully ignorance and it's perpetrated ignorance. Yeah, I always wondered if 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 we discovered this up in the Amazon and called it something totally yeah. different. Called it yes, and people, the doctors and the medical professionals, said this is wonderful. You know, this is a, this is a new idea. It, it helps anxiety, it helps yeah. pain, it helps epilepsy. Yeah. I mean, this really, we need to invest in this. We need to research it. Maybe that's what, what we need to do. Then. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah. No, it's rubbish. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, well, let's see. Let's see what the next five fantastic years. Fantastic, Mike. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Let, yeah. Well, that was a fan- a fascinating first word. What's right. your second word, Mike? The second word was Antarctica. Oh, uh, so. I, I, you don't really need to explain Antarctica, do you? Well, me? no, maybe you do. Maybe, maybe. did you know that well, Antarctica, the etymology of Antarctica actually literally means opposite to the North Pole. It, the, the, actually, it's from the Greek Antarcticus, opposite to the North, which I didn't realise that was it. OK, just a couple of things that interested me. Antarctica is 5.4 million square miles. I don't know how big I thought it was, but that seems improbable. And then the coldest temperature ever recorded on Earth was there, and that was minus 128. And just a, one quote that I found from Shackleton, uh, who I always associate. Uh, Christ, it's cold. Christ, it, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's freezing. That famous close. Yeah, that's oh, it. I'm fucking I'm, freezing. I'm going out sometime. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I had a dream when I was 22 that someday I would go to the region of ice and snow and go on and on and on until I came to one of the poles of the earth because there are several poles of the earth, aren't there? There aren't just... This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500.
That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation. Two. But yeah, so that's Antarctica. So interesting, very interesting word. Why, why did you pick it? Well, several reasons. I went there three years ago to do um, a marathon, a half marathon it was, I did. I'd always wanted to go there. Um, I went with my son, which was which was great in itself. And this uh, is called the Antarctic Ice Marathon, not surprisingly. And you fly in from the bottom end of Chile, from Punta Arenas. You fly on a an old Russian cargo Aleutian plane, wow. which takes 40 of us. And it, it flies into a logistics base for Antarctica. And made all the supplies, they land there, and the little tiny planes fly it out to the, all the research stations. That's what it's doing there in the summer, in their summer. And once a year, some mad Irishman called Richard Donovan, who's a great um, athlete, he's done lots of different uh, running challenges, mm. organises this. So we fly out there, we camp on the... It's about 150 miles from the poles, so it's not on the edge. It's right in the, right in the middle. Yeah. And you, they flatten a bit of a 10k circuit, which is a bit pointless because then the snow blows over it within about three minutes. And uh, you run round the thing. And it's my yeah, it's it's actually not too difficult to run on. It's not thick snow. Okay. And and that's what we did. I did the half marathon. Everyone else did the full marathon. So you could say I won, or yes. you, you yeah, could yeah. you could say I became last. Whatever way you want to look at it. Well, I'd say the I was too old to trot round, but it was well easy. It was minus thirty. Wow. And that was a challenge because uh, you know you you had to put total cover. You get frostbite. Yeah. Uh, the mask freezes because you breathe out. And it freezes. It freezes. So you get you're suddenly breathing through ice and you can't do that. So you move the thing around and it. Or within about five minutes, you've got a total ring of ice around you. The so body's functioning. In a, I mean, it's very difficult to breathe. Yes, actually. I was going to say it it minus thirty. Yeah, it had been minus eighty the week before. It's a warmed up a bit. It warmed up. It was. They were fine. They were sitting outside, shorts a, and yeah, me. Yeah, wow. So that was a great. But I wanted to put it in because uh, what struck me particularly was the clarity of the air, and it's. It wasn't just something in your mind. You could. It's a glass tangible, and because in the glass, there's mountains around three sides. The mountains were so crystal clear, and the sky. Now cynics would say that's because there's a big ozone hole, and you can see it straight up. But I mean, you could see the stars. Not easily because it was summer. So, <laughs> so no light pollution, the, right? No, no light no pollution. No built landscape. And I, what I liked about it, you, the, everything had to be taken away. You could leave absolutely nothing there. And I yes. mean, nothing. Nothing. So you know, yeah, yeah. all the excrement was taken back with you on the say, plane when it came it back? back. We had to carry it all back. That'd get your attention on that yeah, plane, would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Tell you what, a dump in mine of stairs, you'll get your attention, wouldn't it? That was entertaining. Yeah, so that was. So it struck me about the. If we really look after our planet, how really good it can be how much better it is than the pollution yes uh, light pollution and uh, yes. the other environmental pollution Build, in yes. the rest of the, the rest of the world so that struck me yes 
it enabled me to bring into running because I think running for me fortunately uh, whoever listening can't see me but I'm not the, I'm the classic runner svelte uh, well it's kind of you to say so they can't actually see anything of me but I'm not but I love running and it's the only time really where I can run and, and not think about the phone going off or you know, I can shut off completely from that if, so, you, if you don't mind me asking how old were you when you did this uh, 65 you did it when you 65 I was on my 65th birthday I was in Buenos Aires on the way out yeah I didn't start running till I was... I've done the Great North Run 10 times now, so I started running when I was about 57. Up to that, I was a total classic, total couch potato. I thought, I finally do something to... Now, now, I, I, now this, yeah, is, no, this is brilliant. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, because running, like people think running is, is unless you continue doing it, yeah. Don't start when you're in your 50s because it's going to be bad for you, for your knees and physically and etc. To start when you're 57, to be running in the Antarctic when you're 65, yeah, that's 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 bonkers. It was a bit, but I don't think there's the evidence it damages your knees is pretty thin. I mean, I think it's the opposite because you build up the muscle strength. And you might, I'm much fitter than the, I was. The, yeah, the orthodox. The orthodox. Yeah. I mean, I've been around gyms and yeah. bo- boxing's my favourite sport. The orthodox is, is that walking is is good yeah. for you as you get reach yeah. your fifties. But but uh, uh, two tacks into to run. But if you, as I said, at fifty-seven, you're running at minus thirty, a half marathon, and feeling. Yeah. Good, right, and better. No, not at fifty-seven. Starting running start at fifty-seven. Oh, you're yeah. doing, the, you're doing the half marathon, marathon at sixty-five. Yeah. Forgive me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was fu- it was fun. It was different. What made you pick that? And and what was the thing with your son? Did that make it all the more important? It did. I just thought. What well, I thought, oh, balmy, really. I thought, let's make the most difficult marathon I can think of. And I was do going it. to say, yeah. And probably it's one of the most difficult. And there's a couple of others. The Everest Marathon, the Great Wall of China Marathon, when you climb God knows how many thousands of steps. So there are there are difficult ones. But I thought, yeah, I'd got to try doing this. So psychological, so you're a neurologist, so you'll understand yeah. you understand the architecture of the brain and, the, and what's happening chemically and things are going on. But psychologically, what's happening there? Because I know an awful lot of people who have... Fa- okay. Exercise produces, as I understand it, feel-good hormones. In a, is that right? Are they hormones? They feel-good chemicals. It comes back them? to the cannabis, because what you produce when you're running, the runner's high, is anandamide. And anandamide, which is, again, the Sanskrit for bliss, yes. that's the thing that makes you feel better after running. It gives you that buzz. So it's coming back, links back to cannabis as well. Actually, personally, I've never felt a runner's high. Every time I finish running, I just feel totally buggered and want to sit it, down. It was, yeah, yeah, uh, the same, so, but, same. I've never <laughs> quite got to that stage either. I just want it so, to be over. No, yeah, but that's what they say. And I think it's, it's very good for mental health. There's a lot of evidence for that. I was going to, that's a, that was yeah. actually, clumsily, yeah. that was my question. Yeah. Uh, it, it undoubtedly, anecdotally, is, my question would be, why? I think it's partly, I think there's lots of reasons for that. One is that hormonal reaction. So it's, you've got a calming burst of this, yeah. it's not a hormone, but let's call it that for a moment, calming burst of this hormone, you're relaxed afterwards. Uh, I think it's also shutting yourself off from the cares and worries of what you've got at home because you have to focus on the running to an extent. You've got to, you know, you've got to not trip over. You've got to think where you're going. I can switch off when I'm running, the but other, I can't yes. at other times. Do you run with music? Phone. I tried that. And I, I, I didn't really take my, my cadence or whatever it is. The only thing I could run to that was of my sort of speed was Black Sabbath. 
<laughs> you must be pretty quick. <laughs> no, <laughs> the opposite. Yeah, the opposite. Yeah. Or may, maybe a little bit status quo. You know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, so I, you don't want to run for five yeah, hours. Yeah. So, 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 I just wanted to cl- cl- be clear about uh, that, that question. So, so I understand the immediate effects. We discussed those. I understand yeah. that, but that's different from mental health. That's just feeling. Yeah you're not dealing with the things of the world that they're off they're yeah. off your mind for that time you get the, yeah. the you get the burst of chemicals but my experience is that people have been with depression i mean i've prescribed yeah. depression and anxiety and, and stuff around there have taken to running and are elevated seemingly permanently yeah there, yeah, there is strong evidence of that. Exactly how that works, I don't think anyone really knows. No. It may be there's an andamide and, and other chemicals produced when you're running have an antidepressant effect. Yes. So it's like, it's like taking your, your antidepressant pill. Yes. You just go for a run instead. Once it's fired it up, maybe. it's... But there is certainly evidence in the long term, you can help long-term depression, long-term anxiety by running. And it, is it running or is it exercise? Is there something unique about yeah. running? Yeah. That's a good question. I don't think we really know. Logic would be that it's exercise. Yeah, I think there's evidence. I mean, people who take up weights and stuff, or people I know in the forties and fifties have done boxing training. Yeah, yeah. because I I, like I I had a lot of running, and then I kind of did that thing, stopped, and the operation, and now do more cycling. And because I've got a charity game coming up, I, I I've got to start running again over the next couple of weeks, and I've got this thing in my head. Yeah, that is going to hit me knee, and and it's in my head, and well, I need to once get got it past in there, it. Yeah, it's difficult to yeah. get out, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. If it? Well, if it's in yeah. your head, it will be in your knee. I yeah. think that's. Well, what yeah, I'll do is I'll have a joint first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just before, I'm just going to say, yeah. if you can run and have a joint, it seems that you're truly <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's yeah. the great connection, yeah. the great but, link. Yeah, I mean, it's a brilliant <laughs> thing. What one thing I. You said you did the half marathon. You you were sixty five when you did it. Can I just ask? And then and then you, your son, who how old was your son at the time? About thirty. Yeah. So so you you pause. Everyone else carries on. I should yeah. imagine when that ends and everyone finishes, there's a unique bond between those forty yeah. or so people who have done it that they year. Were, yeah, that, that you'll never share with anyone else, particularly if one of them's your son. Yeah, no, it was a great bomb. There was ten of them were American, uh, the special forces guys. What do you call them? The, wow, uh, yeah, yeah, special um, forces. Special the, forces, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the, yeah. Uh, my son was very pleased. He beat eight out of the ten of the special. What forces. What does your son do for a living? He's um, he's a he works for the Cancer Research Trust as a fundraiser lawyer. Uh, so he's not in any way um, special forces. That's <laughs> wow. So, Just you know, these guys... Yeah, he, he obviously fellas, uh, gets it from me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I can see it when you walked in. We both went... He's got that yeah. bearing. Who yeah. bought Brendan <laughs> Foster? Brilliant. That was a way that wasn't expecting Antarctic. That's just led us into a whole... I can just see it, and it's probably inspired a lot of people. It's made me think I need to be looking at, to do something. It's not pushed me towards running uh, minus 30, I have to <laughs> no. say. That that bit I could probably do without. <laughs> but can you tell us then, what is your your third word? That word was Mavericks. Wow. Mavericks? So, Maverick... Uh, I, now, can I just say, of words... I love that word because the yeah. way it's structured, you yeah. think there's something going on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's, when you oh, see it's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy with Maverick. Well, you immediately see 
I love the word. So when I think of a maverick, I'm sure, we're, hopefully, we're all thinking the same. I'm thinking of somebody who does things their own way. They're, they're outside the system. They're not. And then I looked into its etymology. I, this is fantastic. So it actually means a calf or a yearling found without an owner's brand. It comes from the great cattle ranches of the American West, and it's named after Samuel A. Maverick, who was a Texas cattle owner who notoriously was uh, negligent in branding his calves. So the story is that um, he bought thousands of cattle and just didn't bother to brand them. Therefore, any unbranded calf was a maverick. So the cowboys would say, oh, they're, they're mavericks. So that was his own form of branding. So that's Maverick then went on to have a political career. And I love the idea that it's something wandering without a brand on it. But what made you, what made you pick well, that? Well, I've always admired people, I suppose, who don't accept the status quo, who can think this, and it could be at any level, this system needs change and it's not right. Now, you could do that from whatever, you know, disabled rights, gay rights, uh, at one end of the spectrum to someone who wants to introduce, uh, you know, the Herb Keller who introduced Southwest Airlines or Freddie Laker. Yes. You know, the, who, who break the mould of what's happening yeah. at that point. Free Thomas thinkers. Cook. Free, free thinkers. thinkers. They're not yeah. just free thinkers, but they're prepared to action what they think is right. And get it. that's my interpretation of Maverick. Yes. And you can have the, the classic perhaps even clichéd ones, you know, the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs, the Richard Bransons, the Mark Zuckerbergs. Mm -hmm. And they have, you know, they've, in their own way, they've changed the world. Yeah. But I prefer to think of those who've perhaps changed the world for a better place. And, and the one that came to mind was Rosa Parks. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the black woman who said, I've had enough of this and sat on the white section of the bus yeah. in, I think it was Mississippi. Yes. Yeah. Hugely powerful, that thing. Yeah. Hugely powerful, uh, that particular connotation of, of, yeah. of a civilian. Yeah, and she didn't actually know. She she wasn't born into wealth or anything exactly. like that. Yeah. She said, this is wrong. I'm going to do something about it. And yeah. there's there's lots of examples of that. Some we've heard of, a lot we haven't heard of. And you can do that at a, a small level in your own little company. You think I don't think this way of working is right. I'm going to change it. Yes. But mainly, I'm talking about those who really made a big impact in the Societal world by being brave enough to say to challenge the status quo and get on and do something. There's about a it. defiance in there, isn't there? There's a yeah. defiance of being a because I think yeah. uh, I think we romanticise mavericks, but I think the actual uh, Rosa Parks would be a great example of that. You can yeah. we romanticise the idea of being a maverick, where I think actually being a maverick carries a very very heavy cost. It does. You're yeah. confronting you're confronting orthodoxies, vested interests. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, yeah. You could put yourself right in the firing line. I think. Um, yeah. The idea is great. I think the reality, you need to be made of special stuff to, to walk your own path. And not be scared about being challenged by the, the establishment, whatever they may be, yes. who don't want to change it because they're no, invested. They're invested. Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. but many people would call you a maverick. Would you see um, yourself as one? Yeah, in a small way. I think in the cannabis space, I didn't realise perhaps I was going to, I think the better maverick cannabis space is Hannah Deacon, who's Alfie Dingley's mum, who had the courage uh, to say this is not right. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
want to change it in the context of ISM, but then work continue to work to change that in the context of yes. getting cannabis available medically. So that is and a lovely. It's not just somebody who says, yeah. It's not, yeah. So maybe it's a little tweak on the word maverick, no, but it's but actually not just having the idea, but actually seeing it through doing and doing it. something doing about it. Doing it, yeah, yeah. do it. Yeah. Right. Yes. So did you pick the words because there are people like Rosa Parks who, who yeah. you think are the mavericks that change society. Yeah. Did you pick it because of individuals whom you admire or did you pick it because as a word it sums up a division in society? Yeah. There, there are those who fit in and those who challenge. Exactly. That was more the concept behind it. And there's a few individuals yes. that I knew of, as we all have known of them. But, yeah, it was more the concept of the, the person who thinks, this isn't right, I'm going to change it and get someone and does something about it. That's what I like. Yeah. And, and now, as we sit in this room, we're, we're three men of a certain age. This is a good show because this is one of the few shows where you've been the oldest. Yeah, the guest has been it's, older yeah, than us. It's great, for me. Yeah, it's great for me. It's literally the first time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're three men of a certain age. And, you know, we're, we're, you know, I'm 53, Tony's 58, 58 you're 67 67, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So many people would say, well, you know, at that time in your life, you slow down. You, yeah. you, you've done your bit. You're not able to make a contribution anymore. I would say that this is the age yeah. when you've got wisdom behind so, yeah. you and some life oh, on your so. back to, yeah. to make a difference and yeah. to be more of a maverick. Because you see, but you, yeah. well, you see the bullshit for what it is, right? You, the, the longer it, yeah. you go through it, you... And and there's that, a, yeah, yeah. And there's a strength also about age because you haven't got a career to worry about. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I can upset people. Yes. And I don't really give a shit. Well, oh, yeah. but that's an interesting <laughs> point, though, because yeah. if if you look at when you were first exposed in this environment, the thing that makes yeah. you stand out from the other other people that you trained with is now you've gone onto this campaign about cannabis. Do you think it came in in your career and your time in life when you were able to take it on? If you'd have been a young consultant, would you have been a little bit more afraid, or is the evidence so overwhelming you can't avoid it? I'd hope. But whenever, whatever it was, I would have done something about it, I think. But it's easy for me to say that now, because I wasn't there. And I know there are some doctors who want to do this, for going back to the cannabis, and they won't, because they are scared. To put their head above, or, the, put their head above the parapet. Yes. And they're scared of their career. I can understand it. Yes. They're scared of the, the that's sort of hierarchy. Works, right? Yeah. That's... Uh, I, you know, I've got mortgages to pay. I've got family support. I don't want to do this, because I'm going to be ostracised. Yes. Um, I think the, the NHS world has changed, and there was a time when I was doing it where there were mavericks, who develop new surgical techniques and to help with the consequences. But there's more, quite rightly, to some of those cases, there's more control. Yeah. But I think the control's gone but way too far. Mavericks are, 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 again, we're broadening the sense, but only slightly at content. Mavericks are the are responsible for the, the leaps forward that we've made. It's always been huge change, important change for the better, is rarely, if ever, done by a committee. It's yeah, always oh, exactly. it's always a, a yeah. single vision it that's refused that's yeah. refused the tyranny of definition or refused the yeah. a, a single yeah. as can see something and if you can see something it doesn't matter how many people tell you it's not there yeah it's there yeah. but but right. now in the world that we live in with social media and again you've been a victim of this where there's been 
you know, a lot of stuff, as you were saying, thrown around and assumptions made about you that once they're out there, it's hard to get yeah. to, to, to deal with or to pull back or to address all of this noise. If you're a maverick standing outside of what's going on and you say, listen, I think I need to do this or we need to do this, you, you, you are so exposed yeah. to yeah, being indeed. just yeah. vilified yeah. by a mass of people so that the noise is louder than yeah. the content yeah. and you never yeah. you never get to the detail culture and, the, the, yeah. and do you yeah. think there's a, there's possibly a thing now within the environment that we live in that social media does allow the odd maverick to stand out and be different than the rest but it also allows the orthodoxy to steamroll yeah, over I anything think so It'd be interesting to speculate, wouldn't it? If Rosa Parks lived in oh, an age of social media, torn to pieces. Would she, would she, she would have been torn she to pieces. She would have been... I, I think the the pressure on her would have been... The pile-on yeah. would have been unbelievable and unsustainable, yeah. I think. And you've got to be pretty brave these yeah, days to, to say anything. social media storm that happens, even yes. the mildest uh, thing. I think what... what yeah. Well, things that... To us, well, I think John and I have touched on this a few times during the podcast, that things that seemed to be true and self-evident to us yesterday now seem to be controversial and yeah. so, so the space is very is 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 actually it's not it's not given us a greater freedom of expression it seems to be that it's the I herd think, i think ironically you're right i mean yes. what looks like it should be greater freedom should for everyone the to express themselves is actually probably more limiting often the case. progress in the world but also the world that we live in now we have political leaders who are, I will contest, the least impressive political leaders we've ever had. And, you know, the reality is you look at them and maybe it is an age thing, but you think you, there's substance. no gravitas, no, there's, there's sub no substance. substance. The, the, the motivation for why you're there is, is not what I would have expected someone in that position. I think the difference that we've touched on is probably that the thing that, that political leaders are serving now is the soundbite culture where you have to express yeah. yourself in 140 characters that tyranny is a deliberate removal of nuance and that's what social media does it deliberately removes nuance from the public square so the debates that we have come in big and it happens in cannabis it comes mm. in big blocky thoughts that mm. say this is true all this is true you have to believe all of this or you can't believe anything Whereas yeah. the political figures of my youth in the uh, late 60s and early 70s, the political debates that we watched on TV would be an, uh, an hour on one subject with historical context and, and they're brought in. That, I, I don't see that. And sure that's the problem. That's uh, where we talk about mavericks themselves. Yeah. It's so difficult to, to... Because if you've got an original thought, it's great yeah. to have an original thought. But you've got to then play it out. You've got to explain it. You've got to win people over. And the problem is, yeah, it can be stamped out so quickly yeah, before it's got a chance to even. Yeah, we're seeing a bit of dumbing, dumbing down of things. Really, oh, it's it's, a, it's, it's coming back to the to the boringly average mediocre. Yes, yeah. I think that's what social media does. Yes, it brings everything out. It's a flattening out, right? It's a, it's a flattening yeah, well, out. When do we last see a real charismatic, interesting politician yes, who exactly. change things? Yeah. The Nye Bevans, because, whoever. That's right. Yeah. You know, well, that's but because uh, 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 and, yeah. and um, unfortunately, it perpetuates itself yeah. because it's not likely to. It would always yeah. be a place where those people would gravitate towards. Well, now that space yeah. is polluted by, as I said, the yeah. the need for that. And you know, you talk about Nye Bevan, somebody who says we're going to change the welfare state. 
he's not saying we're going to do it because you know we're, we're, to get elected in the next five years we're going to do it forever think yeah. forever and that's the thing a maverick often has the vision beyond the immediate exactly uh, yeah. yeah it's not yeah. just a vision it's a resolution and the determination to stay with it as exactly. you said i think that's exactly. what makes a maverick i think we can all yeah. say that could be a bit better if but yeah. who needs who needs the rest of that mike you've come in with three brilliant words and i've i, I have to be honest i've really enjoyed the time that we spent with you you know your three words were cannabis antarctic and maverick which you know I think they're great. I, I just think they are great. They're, they're, they're almost like you could put them on an album cover. Yeah. The Cannabis Antarctic yeah. by the band Maverick. Yeah, we call it Cam. <laughs> yeah. But we've got to ask, we always ask people for a word yeah. that they would gladly never hear again and why. Fake was my word. And um, we sort of touched upon it just now because what I hate in modern politics particularly, but in other environments, is people just not being... We seem to accept people lying all the time. And, you know, I have to mention that Trump is the ultimate example, I think. He just make, clearly makes things up to suit the, the agenda of the day and changes his mind the next day, everything in 140 characters, whatever it is. So, you know, I think people need to be... We shouldn't accept that any longer. And it's particularly in politics, but it's also in other walks of life. And we're all a little bit fake. We're all putting a little bit of different persona according to who we're talking to. I don't mean that sort of fakery, but I mean the, the, those in public office really are just fake to further their own career, to further their own political agenda. And it doesn't really matter if it's not true because it's gone tomorrow. And that's what I love. So fake out. Never want to hear it again. Couldn't argue with that anymore. Fantastic. Professor Mike Barnes, thank you for your time. This has been a great, great show. Yeah, it's been lovely to meet you, Mike, really. Thank you. Thank no, you. it's been a pleasure. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Thank you. That was a great episode. I've, I've known Mike only, only a little bit for, I don't know, about a year or so, but to spend a time with somebody there and to have those revelations, you know, the, the cannabis thing I knew about, it was fascinating and obviously with you as, as a user to hear that discussion, but when you talk about running in the Antarctic, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I just wasn't expecting that I, at all. I'll tell you what, I, did, well, I, loved the, I loved his choice of words, I thought they are all interesting words. Uh, I'll tell you what, I did, uh, the abiding memory of that was when he was talking about Maverick and he was saying about whether he'd be a maverick when he was younger uh, I, I, where I sit in the studio in relation to the guest I can look straight into his eyes and you can see that it, he'd have been a maverick whatever life uh, he'd have chosen <laughs> for sure I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as John and I obviously did don't forget to subscribe, follow, share and like and uh, just remains to say a massive thank you to our meat free sponsor Quorn Super protein, super tasty. Hey listeners, it's Will Arnett. Our podcast, Smartless, has crossed a milestone that seemed unfathomable when we started nearly four years ago as we've just released our 200th 
100th episode. Join us as we welcome that dynamic duo of hilarity, Steve Martin and Martin Short. You've seen them on screen together in The Three Amigos, Father of the Bride 1 and 2, and most recently, and Only Murders in the Building. Both are comedic geniuses in their own right, but together they are always electric. And this episode of Smartless is no exception. I don't know if I've laughed more in a single episode than this one. We discuss their career arcs both separately and as a comedy team, how they met, who is more difficult to work with, and what motivates them today. Is Steve a better banjo player than Marty as a singer? Find out on this bicentennial episode of Smartless. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you get to hear Sean cry. What a loser! 